Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's something about the power of the name of Jesus. Friend, you could be at the lowest of lows, but if you can utter the name of Jesus, one writer said, only Jesus makes God knowable, sin remittable, temptation resistible, joy obtainable, heaven reachable, Christianity practical, and holiness possible. Friend, where would we be today if it wasn't for the name of Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. With greater understanding of where we've come from, our intensity and our praise rises. Thank God we're not what we used to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Feel the wonderful spirit of the Lord in this place this morning. Thank you all for being in the house of God. We had a wonderful time in prayer last night. And I appreciate your steadfastness in coming together as a church and reaching out to the Lord for God to do a work in this city. If you have your Bibles this morning, I do have a word from the Lord that has been burning on my heart. I believe today that it is possible for somebody to to leave change by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it becomes cliché. Sometimes we hear it so often that it's almost just an afterthought. But it's still just as meaningful and true today that you can leave changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Book of Genesis chapter number 20, or 32, book of Mark chapter 3 and book of Mark chapter 5. I will read just a couple of scriptures from each and I will hurry through these. But I believe... The Lord wants to speak to our hearts. Book of Genesis, chapter number 32. Beginning with verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, he being Jacob, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Mark chapter number 3, beginning with verse 1, says this, And he entered again into the synagogue. There was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Mark chapter 5, real quickly, verse 25 and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may but touch his clothes 
I'd paint this morning a small portrait with three different passages of scriptures. One, we find a man who utilized his hands, if you please, to wrestle with the angel of the Lord. We find another man that the Lord spoke very plainly to and said, stretch forth thine hand. And there was another woman who had an issue of blood. The Bible said that she had a mindset that said, if I may but touch. I preached this morning by the help of the Holy Ghost. Your miracle is within reach. Your miracle. Whatever you came today needing God to do in your life. It is within your reach. Let's lift our hands this morning and ask the Lord to move in this place. Father, we come today as a unified body of believers knowing and recognizing the power that has filled this place from another world. Lord, we stand today with open hearts, with open minds, desiring a touch of the Holy Ghost. I pray for every person today that has come here with an open heart and a hungry heart, that they would leave filled by the power of your presence and your spirit. God, grant us this day a move of the Holy Ghost, and we clap our hands and give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Your miracle is within your reach. Very first thing I want you to understand this morning. It's imperative that you grab hold of this right from the get-go. God is for you. I'll say it again. God is for you. Why, why are you emphasizing this so much? But Because it seems as though today in the world in which we live, there has been a, a misconception, a false portrait or painting of God in the hearts and the minds of people. It seems as though some think that, that God would delight in our pain and in our misfortune and our misunderstanding. Can I tell you that he's not some power crazy spirit that takes joy in your sorrow and your folly. He's not some tyrant who sits high and lofty, who rejoices when we fall or when we're in need. I'm afraid that God has been labeled Labeled the wrong way and at times we feel that heaven is working against us rather than working for us. If we're all honest this morning, we've had times spent in prayer where we have banged our fist on the floor against the wall trying to figure out why God has not done something yet. Why God has not moved yet. It seems as though there are times of, in our lives where we couldn't figure out why. And thus because we could not figure out his power, our, our vision becomes skewed and blurred as to whether or not God was really on our side. This mindset I would call it a victimized mindset where people feel that they are victims of, of heaven's wrath or victims of misfortune. This mindset that God is against us, in my opinion, was bred in the hearts of people who didn't understand what it takes to get a miracle from God. You're not going to stumble your way into a miracle. You're not just going to come to church and in the middle of just sitting on a pew, bam, your miracle falls in your lap. 
You're not just going to be the recipient of a, of a miracle out of the blue. It won't happen based upon your personality, your background, your income, your IQ. Miracles are not predicated upon any of those factors. Miracles happen when somebody takes the initiative to pursue after God regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you're facing. But it's a mindset that says if I have to walk through the belly of hell to get my miracle, I'm not leaving this place until I get what I came for. Miracles. I, I believe that God has been blamed foolishly for not doing certain things when in reality some people have put forth very little effort in pursuing God for their miracle. See, it takes an outward display of an inner passion. You know how it is if you have a child that really wants something? You know they want something. They will, they will display all kind of mannerisms outwardly. Hello, I have been at the toy store at Target on the toy aisle when my kids came across something that they probably had all before, but they wanted it again. There, there is an outward display of an inner desire, and they make it known to that person who has the means to provide for them what their heart desires. Very rarely do we walk down the toy aisle where my kids walk perfect just like this. Never doing anything. Very rarely. Because there is a desire in their heart for something. I'm equating it to a little child because Christ likened the, the kingdom of God to little children. There is a desire in their heart for something. And it is always manifest outwardly. If my kids walk through a toy aisle or through a store and never make a peep, I don't just automatically dump blessings on them and give them all this kind of stuff. In fact, we get out of that store fast because it's saving me a little money. But when, there, when there's an outward display of an inner desire, you know I can give this to them. I can satisfy that need. It is always manifest outwardly. It's always manifest. I, I question the passion and the desire of some people who say they need something from God, yet they won't pursue God. I question how bad you really need it. If you're content with just st standing in a pew or just uh, sitting there through a sermon, I question how bad you really need it. Because when somebody needs something, nothing will stop them from getting to Jesus. Nothing will hinder them uh, from pursuing after Him. If you want it this morning, can I tell you that all you need to do is reach out and pursue after it and God will meet you this morning. See, God's desire, God's intentions, His ability to provide should never be in question in our life. For the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He knows what you need before you even need it. How can he do that? Because he went to the end and worked his way back. He was at your tomorrow before today. So God's ability to provide, God's knowledge of your circumstances, God's willingness to do so has never been in question. 
He knows that some of us need a new start today. He knows that some of us need a healing. Some of us need direction or some of us need a blessing in our life. He's not blindsided by our problems, but there is a formula to receiving a miracle. And the Bible says in Isaiah 65 and 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Understand today it takes two parts. The scripture says, I will answer. That's God's part. And then it says, while they are yet speaking. That's our part. We can't just believe that God is going to dump blessings and miracles in our lives before we even ask for it. But it takes us to take it upon ourselves, take the initiative to pursue God. See, God's ability is not in question today. But our willingness to reach out is what is in question. But I've come to tell somebody, if you will make up in your mind that whatever you need is available today, that you're going to pursue it. You're going to reach out. I'm not going to leave this place the same way that I came. But I want my miracle. Either I can remain frustrated just like I am, or I can reach out to the one that can change my circumstances. I can reach out to the one who holds all power. I can reach out to the one who ordains my tomorrow. I can reach out to the, to the one who gives me a brand new start. But it's going to happen today, not because you're here, but because you did something when you got here. Not because I'm a Pentecostal. Not because of a denomination. Not because we pay so much, but because we took it upon ourselves to reach out to Jesus Christ when we got here. When we got here. We find today in the Word of God several different scenarios, several different instances regarding a person reaching out. If I can begin with Mark chapter 3, the Bible said that Jesus came into the synagogue and there saw a man with a withered hand. Historians believe that this man was a bricklayer and that his hand that he used most often was what became disabled. It was here that this man we find in a synagogue. We know he went to church. We know he was there. But just because he was there didn't fix his problems. He was still at the synagogue with a withered hand. He didn't rely on his denomination, if you please, to fix everything. We know that he was at church with problems. And there's people just like that this morning. You're at church, but you still have problems. You're at the house of God, but there's still something in your life that you need God to take care of. And it was this man who, because he could not provide, it was an embarrassment, if you will. He dealt with shame. He dealt with reputation that was tarnished because of his disability. And it was here that Jesus woke up to him in the house of the Lord and said, Stretch forth thine hand. Now this man was faced with a decision. This man was faced with with a moment in time where he could either put forth the front that he had always put forth by, by reaching out with his good hand 
or he could expose his embarrassment. He could expose the withered hand that he kept tucked underneath his leg. And he could let God do a work in his life. And some of us come to church the same way. We know how to put on our front. We know how to stretch forth our good hand and project what we want people to see us as. But many times you won't leave with your miracle if all you do is front, if all you do is put forth the good things. It comes a point in your life where you have to stretch forth the withered hand. You have to expose that area of your life before God and say, God, I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of this nagging problem in my life. I'm tired of keeping it tucked away for no, for nobody else to see. And I'm tired of dealing with the embarrassment and the shame of my withered hand. This man decided that day to expose the one area of his life. Jesus didn't say stretch forth your withered hand. Jesus left it upon him. You're going to make a decision. You can stretch forth and project what you've been showing to everybody else or you can reveal to me your problem and I can fix your problem. The decision was up to that man. I I confront with my good hand or I can show my, my, my flaws. I can show my problems. I can be real before God. I can be honest before God and let God change this area in my life that I'm not proud of. Can I tell you today that we have the same decision? We, we have the same opportunity that this man had. But it takes you understanding that the only way you can leave changed is showing and bringing to God what you need fixed. I've seen people come to altar and leave, and leave the same way they came because there was an area in their life that they didn't want to stretch forth. Whether it be pride, whether it be embarrassment, the list goes on and on. We, we all have those moments, those times. I can tell you times in my life where I missed out on what God was wanting to do in my life. I missed out on what God was trying to orchestrate in my life because of other reasons. I, I know I've said it here before, but I'll say it real quickly again. When I was 17 years old, I had a back problem. And I went to a youth rally. I tried everything. I tried therapy. I tried shots. The bones were too short in my back. And, and I went to a youth rally. I was 16, 17 years old. At the end of the youth rally, the preacher came to the pulpit. And he said, there is somebody here today who's had, who has bad back problems. And if you'll come forward, God is going to heal your back. Now you say that in a nursing home, you look like a prophet. But we're at a youth rally. You don't say that at a youth rally. Not many young people have back problems. And I remember standing all the way to the side over there with my friends. And I, I, I don't know why. And looking back, I don't know why I was so hard on myself. It's not like he was calling out sin. It was a back problem. But I stood there, four or five people. And he came and he prayed for them. And he left and he went back to the back of the platform and he laid down. And he got up again and he came and grabbed the mic. He said, there's one more. And your bones are too short in your back. He said, and if you'll come here up to the front, God is going to heal your back. And I stood there and I stood there and I stood there. Not willing to expose my flaw. Not willing to expose my withered hand. Not willing to be honest before God, even though it was nothing major in my life. It, or, you know, as far as sin, it was a problem in my own body. 
And I chose to keep my front. And that man started counting from five to one. And then he said, all right, you're dismissed. And six months later, I was in Houston having an operation on my back because I was afraid to stretch forth the area of my life that I needed God the most. I know I'm relating to somebody today because we've all been in those services where we knew God was giving us an opportunity, where we knew God was talking to us, where we could have left changed by the power of God. And we are warring in our mind, do I stretch forth my good hand? Do I keep my front? Do I act like everything's okay? Or do I be honest with everybody? Do I, am I honest before God? And a stretch, can I tell you today, Everything you need is within your reach, but it takes you reaching out for it, for God to do a work in your life. We read also of a woman who had an issue of blood. Many years, she spent all of her money. She was exhausted financially. She was exhausted physically. Can I say she was probably exhausted emotionally and mentally because she had dealt with this thing for so long. Sounds like some of our church people. Exhausted because of what they're having to face. Exhausted because of circumstances that they didn't ask for. They felt like a victim of circumstances, if you please. Yet she heard of Jesus. She had no other options. She was out of money. She couldn't afford doctors. And she made up in her mind, if I can just touch. I don't need a preacher to lay hands on me. I don't need some, I don't need fanfare. I don't need attention. I don't need any of this. All I can do is t- if I can but touch the hem of his garment. Can I tell you what kind of faith this woman had? She didn't need the spotlight. She just needed a thread. She didn't need the attention. She just needed to get a hold and brush the fabric of deity. And she knew what she understood was that her miracle was within her reach. But she was going to have to pursue after it this morning. And it was when she brushed a thread of the robe of deity. It paused Jesus. It stopped Jesus. And he said, who touched me? What do you mean, Jesus? You're surrounded by people. People from all sorts of backgrounds. People from all walks of life. People from various social statuses. Everybody's touching you. But Jesus is served. See, they said, everybody is thronging you. Everybody is around you. But Jesus understood the difference between a throng and a touch. It was desperation. See, everybody had faith to be healed. Because it's given unto every man a measure of faith. Everybody had the faith to get something from God. But what differentiates a throng and a touch is the level of desperation in a person's heart. And I have seen people out of 200, only one leave having received their miracle. You know what the difference was? There was somebody who was desperate for God. There was somebody who knew there's no way I can go back to the way I was. There's no way I can go back to the situation that's been haunting me there's no way desperation she understood if I encounter Jesus you know what amazes me there's some people in the word of God that only encountered him one time and that one 
experience changed their life. One time. We never read again of this woman having a touch with Jesus, having an encounter with Jesus. One moment and it changed her life. God help me in that I've had hundreds of encounters with Jesus and not every one of them has ever changed my life ever one or two or three or four I'm afraid sometimes that the glory and the power of God has become common you know when we went to we went to Hot Springs Arkansas last year we went and saw all the, the we did the tower we rode the ducks We did everything that tourists do. You know what I didn't notice? I didn't notice any of the natives of Hot Spring riding the ducks. I didn't notice people who lived there going up to that tower. You go to New York City, I guarantee you taxi cab drivers aren't going to see the Statue of Liberty. They're not going to tour Times Square. They're not going to all the attractions that some people who aren't from there go to because it's common, because they're around it all the time. I recently heard a story. This woman came to church one day, one of our churches, an apostolic church, sat on the front row. Pastor said she cried the whole time. She cried and she shook from beginning to the end. At the altar call, she was the first one there. He came down to that altar and he began to talk to her. She said, Pastor, you got to help me. She said, he said, ma'am, what's wrong? She said, when I left my house, I was fine. When I got out of my car, I was fine. She said, but when I walked in this place, I started crying and I started trembling. I started crying and I started shaking. She said, all through the singing, I cried and I shook. Through the offering, I cried and I shook. All through your preaching, Pastor, I cried and I shook. And she said, here I am at the altar and I can't stop crying and I can't stop shaking. And in an effort to appease this woman, he said what many good pastors would say. He said, ma'am, that's okay. What you're feeling is the power of God. She looked at him as sincere as possible. She said, sir, if this is the power of God, then why am I the only one shaken? What happened? She was coming in contact with somebody that she knew could change her life. She knew that he could turn her world right where it needed to be. She understood the magnitude of the moment. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, who am I to come to the house of God and leave the same way? Friend, you got to understand everything you need is here this morning. But you got to reach out and touch the Lord. You've got to reach out. You've got to reach out. You've got to put forth the effort to get what you need from God. You've got to put forth the effort. I wonder today how desperate are you, ma'am, for a brand new start in God. You say, well, I've been coming to church for years. That doesn't mean you don't need a new start. Because if we could all see the real us, there's some of us that we know we need a new start in God. You've got to get desperate for God.
You've got to get tired of being labeled by society. See, Jacob lived his whole life allowing other people to dictate his destiny. Every time they said his name, Jacob, which means deceiver or schemer, every time they said his name, they dictated his destiny. Every time they said Jacob, it was a reminder of his destiny. And he allowed other people to dictate his future. He lived up to it in that he deceived his own father. He deceived Laban. He lived a life of trickery, a life of running and hiding, and a life of shame because of his mess-ups. Yet there came a time in Genesis chapter number 32 where he was left Alone. If you want to get something from God, you get alone. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. I have seen people come to this altar. There is a difference. You watch it in somebody that will pray with their eyes closed and somebody that prays with their eyes opened. What do you mean? Watch how long they pray. Because when we, when we sit here with our eyes open, we tend to watch what's going on around us. And when we see other people start winding down, then we start winding down. But you let somebody who's desperate get up here with their eyes closed. They have no concept of time. They have no concept of formalities, protocol. All they know is they need something from God. And what is the difference? They got alone with God. You could be in a thousand people and get alone with God. Jacob had to get alone to get what he needed from God. And sometimes when we come to an altar, the best thing we can do is close our eyes and get alone with God. Stop worrying about who's around us. Don't worry about who's touching. Don't worry about anything except God. Jacob got alone. It was there that he wrestled with the man. Understand the significance of this. It was an outward display of an inner struggle. What was happening in the physical had been happening for years in the spiritual in Jacob's life. We are seeing played out in the physical realm what Jacob had been warring with. It was his past warring against his future. He had a past he wasn't proud of. He did things he didn't like. He had shame. He had hurt. He had embarrassment. On the other hand, there was a call from a heavenly realm. It was a war between his past and his future. It was there that they were tugging against each other. What was happening in the physical had been happening in the spiritual realm for years. And it was there that the angel of the Lord spoke to Jacob and said, Tell me your name. Why do you want to know my name because my name will represent my past and I can't deal with your future until we deal with your past can I tell you today before you ever get a new future in God you got to deal with your past you got to deal with what's been tormenting you and bugging you and nagging you and so there's a struggle tell me your name he said my name is Jacob And he said, now that we've dealt with your past, let me deal with your future. Your name will be no longer Jacob now that you've identified it, now that you've addressed it, now that you've dealt with that whole issue. Your name will no longer be Jacob. You won't have to war with that mindset of a life of trickery. But your name is now Israel. For as a prince that has power 
with God. A past that haunted him. A past that wouldn't let him go. Shameful accusations. Shameful actions. Things that haunted him his whole life was only dealt with because he was willing to reach out and not let go until God performed a work in his life. I would love to tell you, ma'am, that miracles and life-changing events happen between two and five minutes. But the reality of it is sometimes it takes us a little while. The reality of it is sometimes there's a struggle in the spirit realm and we're dealing with various factors, dealing with our past, dealing with emotions, dealing with mental mental things. And sometimes it takes longer than two to five minutes. But we live in a realm of society that can't handle delayed gratification because everything is so fast. We have put this Demand on God. And if we don't get it within a certain amount of time, then we walk away and we think that God doesn't want to do it. That's not the case, ma'am. That's not the case, sir. Sometimes you got to struggle with it. Sometimes you got to press through. Sometimes you got to get through everything that's hindering you and say, God, I want my miracle. God, I want my life changed. God, I want my healing. And I'm not leaving when everybody else leaves. I'm not leaving until I get it. Stand with me. I feel, a, I feel a check in my spirit this morning as musicians come. I'm telling you, ma'am, and I'm telling you, sir, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Nothing. If you can reach out, reach past your insecurities, reach past what you can't understand, Reach past these areas of your life that you have put question marks on because you couldn't figure out what God was doing. If you can reach past all of that, your miracle is within your reach. What you need from God is available today. What you need God to do in your life is available today. I don't know what it is, but God does. I don't need to know what it is. I don't need to know anything. All, I, all you need to know today is that it's available and God can do it. Do you believe that this morning? Why don't you lift your hands to heaven with your eyes closed? And why don't you begin to worship the Lord all across this building?